With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So the last round of how the hot dog guys bracket is today. It's between Brody Brazil and um, our boy um, the Sandlot, the uh, the Kingpin himself, Brian Jansen. Um, so go vote, go vote, Ace fans, and, and uh, let's figure out who the uh, best Twitter account in uh a's twitter is uh welcome to the town tailgate podcast it's not unfortunately this podcast but you know we tried i'm we advanced yeah we did we did we advanced one round which was great and we uh we had a tough competition in the second round that's julio reynoso by the way who just said we advanced um we had a tough we had a tough second round um matchup against right right field will i don't think we had a shot in fucking hell against that no one. way but we actually that guys met every person in the ace community and yeah. everybody loves him. And my, how can't you not love right field will? Come on. Guy He's got like 2,000 followers on Twitter, too. I think I, that was kind of that was the deciding factor right there. We'll be who back, do we go, up, we'll be who do we go up against the first round? It was another fan. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I can't remember the name of the stuff. I'll look it up. but uh, It's not that big a deal. Um, shout out to them. I was going to give them a shout out. but um, I was shocked that A's Rants was a number one seed. And Brody was a number two seed. I feel yeah. like that should not have been the case. That's very much a uh, no offense to them, but you know, it's it's Brody. Even though Brody is in the finals, but still, there's a reason why Brody's in the finals, though. I think that's it right there. Like he's Brody Brazil. He's like, I don't know. Now that Jessica's gone, and and it seems like. NBC Sports doesn't really have a beat writer. He's kind of like the face of like A's journalism at this point. He's always been the face. Like the last, you think so? Not no, oh, yeah. he's not. No, Susan Celeste was the face. Or oh oh and oh okay. I'm thinking of just NBC. And, and, but and I, I would I, I would of... argue and I would argue uh, um, Jane Lee was a bigger presence than Brody when before she she stopped. Being I think it's just because A's we you know we envision TV, we envision Brody. Yeah, every pregame for sure. Uh, oh, it was Brian Alarningas. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but he was our who we went up against. Um, I didn't realize his, his Twitter app says he's in Pittsburgh. So what's up, nine two five? Nice. Brian, if you're listening, 
P world, P world, P world. Um, so this podcast we're gonna do um our ten um I wouldn't call it best, but ten biggest moments of the season because there's some negative ones in there. But ten biggest moments of the season that define this season. Um, but first we have obviously the biggest announcement of the A's offseason since there hasn't been much on. Much going on because there hasn't really been an offseason because of the strike. But the A's finally hired a manager. We called this one. We called our shot way back in September um, when it looked like he was leaving. And definitely when he when Bob Mel left in, um, in uh, was it November or October? One of those days. Anyway, uh, Mark Kotze is going to be the next Oakland A's manager. Um, very much um, was due. Um, he, I think he's the right man for the job. I know we all wanted Ron Washington, but he wasn't even in the mix. Um, but um, he's he's put in his dues. I think um, this job, whenever Bo- Bob Melvin's pending um, exit was going to be, it kind of felt like this was this was his job for the taking. So, um, congrats to Mark Kotze. I'm fucking juiced. I I again like when we did our first pod about this whole situation, he was my favorite. I felt like he was going to get the job. You also felt like he was going to get the job, but you liked someone else. You liked uh, Christensen more? No, no, no. Christensen went with Bowman. I liked the couple guys that were outside the org when they were looking at um, the guy from, from the Rays, Tampa, right? Dude from Tampa and the dude from yeah. Houston, just because it's like, hey, like, look what franchise they came from. But yeah, y- you can't be upset with it. I know there's already, because you know a single game hasn't even been coached, not in spring training, and of course there's already haters where they're saying this more – this is more or less going to be the same of what we've had before. And I think there's a lot of arguments that are going to be against it. This is going to be some different things because it's like, this guy's a more modern player. He played in a more modern age or he was a modern manager because like, you know, mid two thousands were his peak. I think everybody remembers him as an Oakland A at this point now. And um, I, he has like a pretty good tie between like the old school kind of looks of kind of the, the mindset that Bowmel had and then being around the more modern players because like that's when he was playing was when analytics really became like the most prominent. He also joined the coaching staff when the game completely flipped where average wasn't important and it was launch angle and it was home runs and it was all those things. So he joined, what was it, 2014? It was like the year after their first run or something like that. So he joined like right when the game had changed, right when it was – it was uh, heavy pitching and batting was was let's get it out of the park and let's put as many runs on the board as we can. So I think that has something to do with it too. So he learned managing and he learned coaching and strategy um, under the new era of the of baseball. Um, and I mean those people who are complaining this is more of the same, I guarantee if we look on their Twitter, they're, they probably were bitching when Bo Mel left. So it's like, don't you want them? Don't you want more of the same? Don't you want the same situation? I would say the one thing that I had an issue with Bob Melvin was the way he managed in the playoffs. He's a lot, he was a lot like Dave Roberts. The way he managed in the playoffs is the same that way he managed in, during the regular season. He was strict to the numbers. He was strict to the analytics and he was like a slave to it. Kevin Cash, same thing where in the press conference, Mark Kate said, himself that he is a lot more emotional when he is managing game than Bob Melvin is. And that's what you want. That's what I want in a manager. I want a manager, especially in the playoffs to make emotional decisions. Not everything can be strict to the numbers. You can't, if you have a pitcher who's going, who has one hit nine strikeouts um, and one walk, 
through six innings. You don't want to pull him. You want to keep him going. Let him go through the lineup one more time, see how he does, and then do it. You can't be so strict to the my pitchers don't go past six innings rule. Like I want a manager who's going to make emotional decisions like that. And I think that's – you look at this past World Series, and I think that kind of really like puts down your point of more because Brian Snicker was kind of going by his emotions. He – he really stuck to the kind of the same three guys with the bullpen when it came to um, uh, Tyler Matzik and like this other couple dudes. And then he was letting guys like Max Reed, you know, no World Series experience yeah. at all. He let him go even after he was yeah. coming off an injury. It's it's going to be fun. Uh, I was listening to the Rose rotation. Shout out to John Boy Media. No affiliation, but, you know, I just want to throw it out there. Uh, and him and Chris Trevor Rose, Cooper baby. Talk. Chris Rose is so dope still. Um I saw an old World Just Series. Just quick, very quick oh, sidebar. He was uh, go, go, he, he go. was hosting uh, he was hosting uh, um, like college Best basketball pregame. Oh, no, no, no. Just anyway, he so he left MLB Network. They fired him, but he's like all over the place now. He's obviously doing that podcast, and he he um he's like hosting like college basketball pregame shows for Fox. I'm like, fuck yeah, Chris Rose. He's like he's back, baby. He's back. Sorry, keep going though. Uh, but Trevor Plouffe made the comparison. He's like, you know what? I think. Billy Bean sees a lot of himself in Mark Kotze in the sense yeah. that they were both highly touted prospects out of out of college. If you guys don't know, like Mark Kotze was like one of the best college baseball players ever. He won Golden Spikes in 95. Uh, he was actually, that I was reading about, Billy Bean was talking about, yeah, when he was coming out in the draft that year, we wanted to take him in the first round. And, um, Padre snagged him like a pick or two right before us, so we ended up settling for this Eric Chavez guy, and the rest is history. And it doesn't surprise me that they ended up uh, signing him later on if, if Billy Bean like liked him that much, you know? Yeah. It, oh, I'm sorry. The Marlins selected him, and then a couple picks later is when Chavez went off the board. But yeah. he sees a lot of himself in it because it's like, you know, you have this – you understand the game well because you were a player for a long time, and you're pretty successful, a very cleanly successful player. And um, he did their dues in the systems, like you said. Just to clarify, and he it. saw and he saw a lot of the game from the bench. He saw a lot of the game on the field as well. Obviously, he was our leadoff hitter for two, three years, something like that, during that yeah. 2006 run. But he also saw a lot of the game from the bench in his later career. So he really saw it from two both angles. And uh, just he wasn't joining the coaching staff in 2016, and then 15 he was on the podcast yeah. coaching staff. The one cool. thing that people are kind of bitching about, too. Not a lot of people. A couple people are here and there on the Twitter world. Make sure to follow us. Town Tailgate, if you're not a red until you are. Was um, how he was just kind of a very unsuccessful third base coach. And that they're like, we're going to send any guy. You got a pulse. We're sending you. And the counter argument for that has been like, dude, that's his first time being a third base coach. You're going to have to live and learn that shit more about. And uh, I, don't, I, th- I don't think that should hinder what his ability as a actual manager is going to be of like that one year where you're just like, fuck it. Send him. He's going to me. To me, that's just, to me, that's just fan ignorance, not quite understanding like how, how, you know, things trickle down from the manager spot. The reason why he, at that time he was sending any fucking thing that could move um, home was because that was the strategy that the, that Bob Melvin had in order to get runs on the board. They, they had, un, at that time during the season, they had unreliable hitting. Like, they would get guys on. They led the league in leaving runners in scoring position. So he was like, fuck it. We got to be more aggressive on the basis. So he started sending guys left and right. Hey, it fucking bit us bit him in the ass sometimes. But that is that is a product of 
the manager's base running strategy. You can't fault Mark Kotze for that. You just can't. And if you do, then I'm Tony right now. That's not the case. So that's the way I feel about that. Um, I want to drop a couple yeah. more Kotze facts on you. More, yeah, as a, more player facts because I'm forgetting a lot of these things. I'm kind of recollection. Um, let's not forget. He quick had, shout he out to El Segundo Brewing. Hold on, hold on, quick, hold on. Quick shout out to El Segundo Brewing. Drinking their beer, maybe IPA. They gave me this shirt last night because I was there. So I just want to rock this Great shit. brewery, anyway, by the way. If, if you're in amazing the, brewery. The, the uh, east side or the west side LA area, coming out of LAX, you want to go get a beer? Else, go to brewery. Yeah. Um, anyways, what I was saying. Can you remember who the A's traded to get Marcasse? Hmm. That was to the Padres, right? Correct. Okay, so he wasn't part of the Jason Kendall trade to the to the, the Pirates. Hmm. No, can't. Uh, a catcher and an outfielder. Dude, I have no idea. It's not Ramon uh, Hernandez, is it? Yep. Terrence Long and Ramon Hernandez. It is. Yep. That paid off big time because Ramon was kind of on it. Yeah. I mean, we ended up. Well, I wonder if his trade was before or after the Jason Kendall trade because it probably made a lot more sense once they got Jason Kendall. And they were like, okay, we don't we don't need Ramon anymore, so let's trade him. Jason Kendall was 2005, so it was a couple years. So, oh, God, who was the starting catcher in 2004? Adam Melhus? You think so? Oh, jeez. And I think the other thing – yeah, I'll, I'll look this up in a second. But um, I think the other thing, too <clears> – <throat> is look we don't know what's going to happen in this offseason when it does pick back up there could still be a lot of changes happening even if the cba deal kind of favors more teams like the a's there's still no guarantees there's like a bunch of bs rumors about like the yankees are trying to trade for matt chapman and move him to short which chris on the count of three let's repeat it one two three bullshit Nope. All right. Cool. I wasn't sure what we were repeating. You, you throw. You always oh. throw these at me. I always throw these like let's say the same thing at the same time, and then it's like I had no warning for what we were supposed to say. Um, but like, <laughs> if those guys do, can I can I just say something real quick on yeah. on that? Yeah. Look, four trains guys, and you know all the Yankees fans out there. You can read as much Yankees Reddit as you want, but I'm telling you right now, some random dude who says like a friend of mine who's a a, ho- a my buddy's uncle's mo- mother's cousin's sister said told me, and he's really good friends with Brian Cashman, bro. That they're fucking going for Matt Chapman, bro, and they're gonna move him over to shortstop, bro. Like that doesn't. It, there's no substance there. And tell a real like writer and real reporter throws it out there i'm not gonna believe a fucking thing all right gotta gotta get that uh it's festivus came a week late right yeah (laughs) um but if if they stay awesome you have some more guys who can have lean that like kate can lean on for those like veteran leadership who kind of really understand the organization for whoever comes in next but then if they do leave, you already have a guy who's I'm, he's going to have to deal with the pressure of, like, I'm going to have a brand new team. I have a lot of young guys. We're going to have to teach them about the culture of this organization, of the city, and show, like, why I stayed here when I could have had other opportunities throughout the place. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is the perfect opportunity for Kotze. I mean, he's going to be able to form the team the way he wants to, which I'm sure is – already in line with the way that Billy and David are doing it in the first place. And 
you know, I'm sure he wants to keep Chapman and Olsen, and the more and more we hear about the um, negotiations, it sounds like that might be a legitimate possibility because they're going to have to spend that money somehow. Um, but if not, I'm, you know, I'm sure he'll figure it out. He knows the guys in the system already. He's he's a that's the other thing that we didn't talk about too much. Like he's a club he's a club favorite throughout all three levels of the system because he's been there for so long and he's managed all these guys and he's worked with them in, tr- in spring training. So it's like you want a guy that the guys respect and he's a lot. You know, Bob Melvin was a big players coach and Ka- apparently Katze is very similar. Um, but yeah, Julio, we got a lot of stuff to get to, so we should probably move into that. The catchers in two thousand four, and we'll move on. Yeah, were Adam Melhuse, Damian Miller. Former Brewer. Oh. Yeah. 2004, that was a season that we lost in game 162 to the Angels, mm-hmm. and they won the division. Wow. If we would have had stacked rotation. If we would have had Ramon Hernandez then. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? All right. So we're going to take a quick little break earlier than usual, and then we're going to get into our top 10. This is Chris and I specifically, not A's generalization fan base. Top 10 moments of 2021, and we will be right back. All right, welcome back to Town Tailgate. All right, 10 um, biggest moments of the season. Um, how Julio and I did this, we um, we each, we kind of like put it together a list of like 16 moments from the season, and we picked our top 10, and then we like averaged them out to eat and make it like one solid list. Um, there's a couple ties in here, so, um, but it equals out to 10, basically. Um, like there's a tie for fourth. There's a tie for first, and eighth. There's third. three ties. Oh, an eighth too. Yeah. I. But um, what were you gonna say? I think the one thing, just kind of going back on this season, was it was really weird. This was a really yeah, a lot of a lot of ups and downs. Really weird season where I think in previous years we could think of more specific like oh yeah when this happened and this was just an odd year and you're probably gonna as we go through this and you're listening and playing it back you're like yeah that i totally forgot that happened you're like oh that was amazing when that happened but then it's like oh shit yep that was dude when when we were making these lists i kept on thinking like oh yeah like this was the moment when i said on the pod we're championship contender and it's like this is the moment <laughs> said, like, we're not good enough and then it's like this is the moment when i said like excuse me um you know like ramones and mvp candidate this is the moment where it was like it was the worst day of my summer and it's like all these different like all these different things and emotions and you're just like fuck like this is a tough exercise um but um let's start it off number 10 julio oh what no no before we do oh you want to do the honorable mentions mentions? there we go good lead it off sorry no 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 you go you go go uh our honorable mentions we wanted to bring it kick it off with our first win of the year the a's walk off kenley jansen after starting oh and six and get their first win of the year. It was a Wednesday day game. Um, it was just a look. We knew they were going to win a game. It was just a huge. <clears throat> thank God it's over with. Chris, you have anything to add to that? No, it was a yeah, it was a stress reliever, um, and it was almost like a joke. Like I remember, I think I like one of the guys said on the broadcast, like, "Hey, they can't lose every day." Yeah. Uh, next up. Dave Cavill goes to a Golden Knights playoff game and pretty much lights Ace Twitter on fire. Uh, it was probably the definition, one of the biggest definitions of read the room in 20, 
21, especially after Vegas, the Vegas, 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 the Vegas was a kind of starting off. Um, he goes to a nice game and talks about how electric the playoff atmosphere is when, you know, not like Oakland has a bad playoff atmosphere either. No, I remember 2013, 55,000 strong, losing their minds, spinning fucking golden towels over our head when Stephen Vogt hit the um, walk-off single. Um, that was the moment that the Ace fans turned on Cavill, too. Yes. Before, it was like, ownership's full of shit. Cavill's doing his best to make ownership realize like the turnaround. And then he shows up that game, sends that picture, says that comment. And it's just like... Boom. Fans are like, you're full of shit. You're full of shit. Like, it, and now, like, no matter what he does, he will never get our, our respect or our or our, our uh, confidence back, I don't think. Even yeah. if this deal works out with the A's, even if they put a shovel in the ground, and this is, like, the best stadium in baseball, I don't think he'll ever get the, the, the trust back. There's There will be a little bit of bitterness for there because, like, you don't, you don't do that to people, especially, like, Oaklanders, you know, they don't forget about that. Yeah, the Bay Area made his career too. Anyway, uh, this was kind of a compilation of days, but the trades, yeah, uh, getting Andrew Chafin, Josh, which uh, jo- we were stoked at the time, but now looking back, it's hard to be happy about that because we lost our our best prospect for literally nothing. Yeah, uh, Josh Harrison, uh, Jan Gomes. Andrew Chafin and of course Starling Marte both came in. Both are all four came in and really just uh, lit this team on fire as much as much as they could at that time. Um, we didn't realize what was going to happen over those next couple months, but they did what they needed to do. Yeah. Um, um, my buddy Sean texted me, and um, uh, I'm meeting up with him after this, and uh, he wanted me to give a shout out because I told him I was doing a podcast. So shout out, Sean. Sean shoutouts. And the last <laughs> honorable mention we had here features one of those guys that was Josh Harrison, Josh Harrison's game saving Snoke's cone catch in Anaheim. Uh, it was the end of September, September 19th to be specific. And that was one of those games highlights where like when they make like his career best of highlights, that play is going to be up there. Yeah, sure. All right. Now we start the list. Woo! Number 10, Matt Olson participates i was gonna say contends and then i changed to participate midway so that's why it's it was participate anyway participates in the home run derby um obviously we've had plenty of a's participate in home run derby in the past mark mcguire you know Cespedes winning twice in a row um josh donaldson matt chapman you know list goes on and on um but this one was you know it was cool which is why it's number 10 like it's cool we've seen it before it was fun to watch him do it. Um, gave us a reason to watch the Home Run Derby. Um, so that was number 10. Julio, do you want to give the number eights? Yeah, we got a tie. Uh, oh, sorry. Do you want to talk about it or did I cover all that? Uh, you pretty much covered it. I think, uh, if I remember, he got a little screwed over. I think some of the pitches he was getting weren't the best. Yeah. Bob Melvin does. Bob Melvin throws um, batting practice. Um, Batting, throws batting practice, and it was not Bob Melvin throwing him at, at the Derby. No, and you can just tell the rhythm was off. He's, once he started clicking, it was too late. But, hey, yeah. like you said, anytime you can get some representation in there, it's great. Uh, an eighth tied, so eighth and ninth pretty much, but they tied with each other. 
Uh, Mark Hanna hits a walk-off walk-off hit in his last at-bat in Oakland as an A to beat the Astros. Very awesome moment. And I think then, we all knew that was going to be his last game in Oakland, too. Very, yeah, super poetic. Uh, very emotional afterwards. And then uh, something that happened in the booth. Uh, Ray Fossey doesn't get his eclairs. And uh, the biggest dessert fit is thrown. And uh, I, I, the reason I put that on there is, again, we didn't know what the rest of this year was going to hold for us. And kind of knowing that, like, that was going to be one of our last, like, funny moments after all these years with Fossey. It, we had to put it up there and it got i think it, it got where it deserves to be yeah i think it blew up after he passed away being like this is like the last funny moment of him in the booth um yeah no matter what i think it, that was going to be in my top 10 no matter what just because it was yeah like you said everything about it if there's moment. anything that fossey loved more than his family in baseball it was <clears throat> food food it was food in general oh yeah Remember, uh, like, ca- remember when they did the food trucks in, in Champions Plaza? He would talk about that all the fucking time. <laughs> See, because, yeah, yeah, have you been to, the, you been to this, uh, this pizza truck they got back there? I'm te- God, I'm you're you, kidding. I'm, I'm telling you, Kyle, it's some good stuff. And they make people go get the food in mid Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And speaking of foodies, you know, Mark Hanna, uh, what else can we really say? I think he had a he's, – he's easily going to go down the last 10 years as, like, one of the most lovable A's during that time, and to kind of have this be his send off against our most hated team at the moment, love it. Yeah. Chris. Number seven. Yeah. Frankie outduels Shohei Otani. I think this was on national TV too, wasn't it? Wasn't this Sunday Night Baseball? Uh, no, but I was at this game. Oh. I was. It was in Anaheim. Shit. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the reason because I'm like, dude, I this was one of these games where like I'm gonna remember this for the rest of my life because it's like, if you guys remember the game, this happened in September, really weird time for the team. Otani just dominated his stat line: eight innings, five hits, two uh, two earned runs, three walks, ten strikeouts. He was just on it, on it, on it, on it. His own, he and he gave up two home runs, and that was the two runs. But guess who was even better? Frankie Montas. Seven innings, one hit, four walks, excuse me, seven strikeouts, no one runs. I want to say this was on national TV because I could have sworn like we were tweeting about how like like Frankie's doing this in front of America. That right might have been the ESPN game. Oh no, Frank that, that like was maybe Paul like Blackburn. it was an ESPN Tuesday game or something like that. I don't know. He's well here's the thing. He did it so many times in the second half of the season. Where you were just like, God damn, he's on a roll. You kind of lose track of it, but this one is just so memorable. Well, one, because I was there to be biased, but two, it's like, it's Otani. He was the MVP. He was the guy. I mean, there's a lot of bias. We're going to see a lot of bias later on in this list. (laughs) That is very true. And if you, if you know, you know. Um, all right, number six, Julio. Um, thirteen game win streak in April after starting. I mean, it wasn't, was it 0 and 6? I thought it was 0 and 6. Uh, yeah, after starting zero and six, our heads were pretty down after that that losing streak, and we we're like, "Fuck!" And then they got that walk off win over Kenley, and we we're like, "All right, cool. Like, at least it won't. At least, uh, at least uh, April won't be too bad." And then they do go on that thirteen game win streak, and we're like, "All right, cool. We're the best team in baseball." And that's the point when when like I was telling you guys before this list, where I'm like, "This is a championship team right here," and boy was I wrong. Um, 
that just made April fun, dude. I, I just I I that streak was so cool, and we just were hitting on all cylinders. Our pitchers were just tearing it up. Cole Irvin just like came out guns a blazing after you were high on him in spring training, but I was not. Um, yeah, that's all I gotta say about. It. It yeah, was it was it was such an innocent time, man. It was such yeah. a sweet and innocent time. They were playing. Some that's pretty- a great way to describe it. Such an innocent time. There, I was looking back. They played some pretty bad teams. It was like yeah. Baltimore, Arizona. Um, I think the Twins were a part of there. But, yeah, it, um, Jed was hitting super well. That's when we were like, dude, this is going to be an absolute steal. The fact that this 37-year-old who hasn't played in two years is hitting this well. On a um, minor league deal. Yeah. I think we were pretty high on it, too, because, you know, for those of you don't who haven't heard before, Chris and I are in the same fantasy baseball league. And we were all like, fucking get Jed! Somebody! And like, mm-hmm. it was like a fight to pick up Jed Lowry. And it was cool for yeah. those couple of weeks. And uh, it was just nice to kind of see that, you know, after such a bad start, it didn't bug them. Yeah. Next up, we got a tie for fourth. Tie for fourth here. Uh, between Tony Kemp hits the go-ahead home run in the top, the bottom of the eighth inning against the Yankees. Suck in it, On ESPN. Yeah, so suck at Schlatters. Love you guys. Uh, that was an awesome moment. And then, of course, Seabass returns to the mound September after getting hit in the face of the line drive in Chicago the month before. We didn't think he was going to uh, return the season, maybe not even pitch again. And he comes back and he's dominant. Uh, both, I think, were super awesome moments. Like, either, yeah. I think between the two of these, me personally, the Tony Kemp home run was like my moment of the, moment of the year, mm-hmm. especially because it was national TV just – even rewatching the highlight earlier, send this list up was like, it was awesome. Great. Moment. Was that like a Fox game or something? Like a ESPN. Fox Saturday game? Yeah, it was fucking A Rod was on the call. So, you know, he yeah. Was, you know, if yeah, the Oakland A's, if they want to do well, what they got to do is just got to pitch. They got to pitch and hit those runs. And then, and then Matty V. I love Matty V, but that wildcard game was a rough watch. Like, listening to him just like, yeah, and Kyle Schwarber coming over from the Cubs. And you're like, wait, what? Didn't he play for the Nationals? Like, like what? What are we, what are we talking about here? <laughs> um, anyway, um, I think the Seabass thing was like it's such mixed emotions because you're so happy to see him there, but like, and he like kicked ass that game, and we we're still technically in the hunt, but like, it was we were pretty far out of it. It was pretty un un unobtainable at that point, and you're like you see how well he does, and you're just like, man, if we would have had him for this past month, like, fuck, who knows what could have happened? So it was just like such kind of a roller coaster of emotions it's hard to really put that one into words um sorry i keep looking up because cincinnati is on a run right now and alabama's whooping their ass but they still got time to score um sorry college football playoff is on in the background while we're doing this um but yeah it was just kind of like a, it was just so many mixed mixed emotions but yeah i think it was just good to see that he was okay um and that he could st- and he still had it too you know what i mean because like Let's say that he doesn't come back to the A's. Like, you know that his future is safe, knowing that he has proved that he can still pitch at a very high level. Yeah, exactly. And um, even though there wasn't the pitch count and stuff like that, to see him out there was super inspirational. I think they lost that game, too, which kind of sucks. I think they blew it after he came out. Right. Third. Number three, my lord. James Caprillion gets his first MLB win and shuts down the Boston Red Sox in Fenway. It was a shaky first inning. I think we all remember that. 
and he comes out and just dominant from that point on forward. But the but, real story for this game is his dad losing his mind, like just throughout the game, like duh. standing up and clapping his ass off. And he did not only just catch the eye of A's Twitter; he caught the eye of Major League uh, MLB Twitter. Like there was everybody was posting about it. Jeff Passan was posting about it. Ken Rosenthal was posting about it. Like he was just that, like just extravagant and just excited that, like, just you were just you were just. You were in on it. You were like, it's like you were there with him, and you knew so much about him. And Doug kind of became like the second mascot of the team of the way for the rest of the way. Every every start cap was yep. out there. If it was yep. in um, Orange County, because James Caprillion's family uh, lives in Orange County, or, or if they were playing, I, I didn't play the Dodgers in LA this year, but um, I think they play the Padres in San Diego. We're like, Doug's got to be there, and mm-hmm. every, of course, every broadcast they shot him sitting like in a. Like usually behind the uh, for the third base dugout up yeah. that way, and I don't think we realize how important Cap was going to be this season. You, I think he's like slowly become one of your favorite players. Yeah, um, that was his coming up moment, dude. Because we knew when I remember, like the whole thing was like, all right, we got nothing out of the Sunny Trade, and now it's like, oh, maybe we did get something out of the Sunny Trade. Yeah, he's. Like, well, let's see. I think these next couple of years are going to be really important for his development. Uh, yeah. I hope this is only the start of his career. Chris, we have a tie for number one. Of course we do. Uh, one of these things is not like the other. I'll tell you that. No. So, the fir- uh, tied for number one of our moments. Not reflect on the fan base, but our moments. Uh, Starling Marte hits a walk-off home run in the first game without Ray Fossey in the booth after he was uh, he uh, stepped out. And, and Ramon first... had just left. And Ramon, and Ramon had just, had just suspended. been suspended. Yeah. And yeah. what happens that first game? They just go to extras. Starling Marte hits a walk-off home run. Yeah. I was also at that game. So, again, maybe a little biased. And that but not as biased like... as... And that was when the, like, let's do it for Ray started. But not as biased as my narcissism definitely uh, went into my voting for this top 10. Uh, the number one moment of the Town Tailgates A season was when this guy right here, Chris Madrigal, caught a fly ball on national TV, ESPN. There it is for those of you watching on on uh, on YouTube. I'm pointing at it right now. That's the ball right there, and that's a picture of me holding the ball in the stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, overnight celebrity. And honestly, I think that was the biggest moment for this podcast because – Within five days, we got like three to four hundred more followers just because that one, because that one, uh, that one video that my dad just happened to take while he was watching, while he was watching, uh, watching the game. Um, yeah, we posted it on A's, we posted it on Twitter, and and you guys just fucking started retweeting and and liking it like crazy, and yeah, it got us a lot of a lot of followers and a lot more listeners. So thank you for that, Chris Jamie Tart Madrigal. There, that's what they call me. Me. Me, <laughs> um, hit me right in the chest. Let me, yeah. Let yeah. me actually. Let me rephrase that. I didn't catch the fly ball. I I took a fly ball off the chest on national. The foul. TV. The foul ball caught you. Or foul ball. Yeah. The foul ball caught you. You didn't. No, catch it, it didn't because I didn't catch it. So it it hit me. Cheap shot. It, yeah. Uh, took from, a cheap shot from, from my side. Just the the my phone blew up. They were like, was yeah. that magical? 
Yeah. Is that like, like I'm like, yes. That, that Everybody listen. I knew was like who was watching the game on ESPN, which was a lot of people. A lot of people who weren't even A's fans. They're like, dude, you were just on TV. Or like, well, dude, why didn't you catch that ball? I was like, how did you know? <laughs> what helps your case too is because you always wear the black jersey. Yeah. Super distinct. You don't see that many people wearing the the all jersey, yeah. the all black jersey. The black, anymore. the all black jersey, which my grandma got me for my graduation present um, when I graduated from high school in 2019. Um, 2009. Because, oh God. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> 2000, yeah, I'm over here drinking a beer. It's 2019. 20 years old. Um, take a quick sip there. Um. 2009, um, that was my grandma who was the season ticket holder who passed the tickets down to my parents. Um, and, it, yeah, it's a special place in my heart. That's the reason why I wear that jersey all the time. the reason why I still have it. It's one of my most prized possessions. If I my apartment went up in flames, that would be one of the three things that I would grab. Um, and, it, yeah, it has my last name on it. And I, it, I turned back away from the camera, and that was pretty much a giveaway right there when you just read Madrigal and someone who is of my very unique stature. And that was the story of the family Madrigal in El Canto. That's how it all started. I still uh, need to watch that movie. How is it? It's, it's a not slow, Pixar, it's, right? It's just like Disney it's, animation. Uh, it's fine. It's fine yeah. compared to the last few Disney animated movies. But I'm telling you, the music in it will linger on you. Oh, on yeah? The, the is that movie. good, huh? Um, it's super catch. It's Lemanuel Miranda. It's Rebel. not a, and it's also not a Mexican family, right? It's like Colombian. It's Colombian. Family? Yeah, yeah. But like some of the animation is really, really cool in it. But the the story, compa- again, compared to what they've been doing recently, has been compared to like Coco okay. and shit, and, or compared to like um, Zootopia and like Moana, Wreck It Ralph, those years. Mm. But we can talk. Anyways, um, Marte walk off before we wrap this up. Anything else you want to add on that? Um, I think those few months of having him on that team it were just so special. I think we're going to be remembering him for a long time. For a long time in those runs, even if it didn't pan out the way we wanted it to, just like how much fun it was. Or like every single time he was up, it was like watching Mini Ricky at times. He went. He went to the Mets too, right? Yes. So it was him, Marcana, and Simeon. Well, Simeon went to the Rangers. Simeon went to the Rangers. Okay. But it was him and Mark Hanna. There's a reason why the Mets stole our outfield. Let's just say that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. That's the best way to explain it. Um, they needed guys who could play both sides of the ball. And so that's what they did. They got two big arms who can cover a lot of ground and who can hit. So, yeah. All right, Julio. That has been the 10 biggest moments of the season. Congratulations. Our first ever. We got This is a tradition now. To all those who listened, do you agree? Do you disagree? Tradition. It's tradition. 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 Is there anything we missed? I'm sure there definitely was some stuff we missed because it's kind of hard to go back and replay a lot of the stuff that happened throughout the year. I know Sean Manaya had some really great starts. Yeah. Uh, with the fact that we don't have Matt Chapman anywhere on this shows that, like, even though Matt Chapman, I think that that means that we're just too uh, like accustomed to his amazingness at third so, base. So, like, if this Chapman was two years pl- ago, we would have like three Matt Chapman defensive plays. Because yeah, and plus he has an All Star that year too. But um, it cut, yeah, but Matt I mean, Chapman's, he was just as good defensively this year as he has been in years. Matt Chapman on defense is getting to the point where, when Steve Kerr was asked a month or two ago, I think when when Steph broke the record, where he was just like. 
oh, are there any specific moments with you with him that you were like, oh yeah, that was it? And he's like, I'll be honest, he kind of reminds you of MJ in a way that like there's so much stuff that happens all the time with them that you kind of just they're all blind and you forget. That's what Matt yeah. Chapman's defense has become. It's just like yeah, yeah, he just does that shit normally for real. I agree. Now before we sign off, um, gotta give a quick couple quick plugs um if you didn't see this morning betty white passed away rip to one of the comedy legends at 99 years old i don't know if plugs are the right word plugs, Shout outs are uh, in memoriam yeah <laughs> but i think one that really struck the both of us really close was football legend east bay native john madden if you haven't seen all madden documentary i highly recommend watching it because I wouldn't say that it's a great sports documentary, but it really puts into perspective any generation, like how each generation ha- has viewed John Madden and how in his impact on each generation of of football fan. Like, you know, my dad grew up with John Madden as a football coach, and that's who he always is. Like, he's a football coach first, announcer, video game guy second. I grew up with him as on Monday Night Football, so if, to me. He's an announcer. He's announcer first. He's the Raiders head coach second, and then the football, and then the video game. But like my my cousin Sebastian, who's thirteen, he knows him as like as his name's on this video game, this legendary video game. And it's just like it's really crazy and it's really interesting to put that in perspective. And the reason why the things about his personality, the reason why he captivated so many people in that way, and like just nobody can say a bad thing about him and it it's just and how just polarizing is not a good word because it's not negative it's just like how diverse just, he had a very yeah. diverse range like it and uh, you can kind of say the same thing about betty white too is like those three generations you just said all will remember her for different reasons betty white more than three generations you're talking well yeah six generations she's had an impact on but like you know my parents and your parents will probably be like oh mary tyler moore show and for us it's yeah kind of, and then you know the my our older siblings are like golden girls but for yeah. us it's kind of just like this dope ass woman <laughs> she's just she and she's she's never shied away from just like humor too like the, she's i've seen her make a lot of raunchy jokes on, yes on tv which is absolutely great. She's like a hundred um, years old, and she's making those jokes. Okay. Do you yeah, have a I, favorite Madden game? Yeah, Madden 04. Right. Easily, it's the right easily. Answer. It's only Michael the right Vick. Answer. Michael Vick on the cover. Michael Vick was a cheat code in that game. You the hit easy, stick. Whenever you would like do your like your fantasy team draft, he was always like the number one pick easily. And if you and if you picked like in the later first rounds, and he was already picked, I would just redo the draft so I could just get him on my team. So I, re- I always remember um, we had like a little party. And, uh, I no, Hitstick was, wasn't till oh, that Ray was Lewis, the year after. Ray Lewis, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember uh, we had some family over, or like my cousins were over, and one of my cousins kept we were, we were playing Madden a lot, and he kept only using the Falcons because all he was doing was yeah. running outside of Vic, and you couldn't mm-hmm. catch him. Mm-hmm. So how I beat it, or how I eventually beat him, was I would play as the Panthers, and I would just put. Um, like Julius Peppers on just like man, that Panthers team. That Panthers defense was so good. They had yeah. Julius Peppers on one end, and they had Mike Rucker on the other end. Yeah, and then Chris up Jenkins the middle, in the middle. Yeah, dude, like that defensive line was so fucking good. Oh my! But it's crazy oh that God. like that's for a lot of us. That's how I. That's how I learned about football. Man was playing that, yeah. and like because it's like he, they committed to actually you know the franchise is a lot more different now than it was then. 
But it's like they actually commit. It's like make you learn about the game. Like, oh, this guy keeps running on you. Well, why don't you just have somebody watch him the whole time? Little things like Julio, that. Julio, remember when we did – we used to do theme parties um, in college when we yes. come back the summer. And we did uh, – we did Aaron through Aaron uh, Willis, now Aaron Kessler, shout out, um, did a, uh, a a theme party where it was a J party where she would pick a letter of the alphabet and you would have to come as a costume uh, of something that began with the letter J. And Julio came as John Madden. He had the he had the headset. He like dressed like him. And uh, and then and he brought the video when you brought the video game case with you and you're just walking around with the Madden video game case and we were playing flip cup and you grab a piece of paper and a sharpie and you start like drawing out what happened on the table toward the play like you're like you're telestrating. Right, look what happened here. You got Chris over here. Flip the cup. All right, so we had Chris on this side and then he flipped his cup. Boom. And next over and then it was to, to Kevin. Kevin flipped his cup. Boom. And then craziness happened and then Julio and Riley flipped their cups back to back. Boom. Boom. And it was just like, and we we're all just dying laughing. We're like, oh my god, Julio went just a full costume right there. That was so. That great. was. I was trying to find the picture, and I could. I was like deep diving, and like I couldn't find it. I know it's somewhere out there. So if there were some I, great. There were some great costumes at that party. I came out as a, as a Jedi, but uh, there was some other way better ones. So Adam Khan was just woke up, so he was just in uh, right. a bathrobe right. and slippers and a coffee That's mug. Right. And then the following was, year, was, and he was drinking beer out of his coffee mug. And then all the following, night. the following year was a bee party. Bee so party, he showed up in the same thing and said he was barely awake. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the days, dude. Working at the water park and and just partying every fucking night. All right. Anyway, sorry, reminiscing. Uh, shout out to John Madden. That's how much of an impact you had. You you influenced Julio to dress as you as a. Uh, at, at, at a part to a party he a also made party. us aware of, of uh t- and maintaining feet problems t- yeah. boom tough acting to acting yeah he didn't get me uh to like miller light though so gotta do better that takes a lot uh, chris so rest in peace betty white and john madden yeah our la- sorry our last go ahead you the- can close out the pod that's our last pod of the year man Another great year. So, uh, salute. Shout out to us. Cheers. Thank you for everybody who's been listening and to commenting all this stuff. Um, uh, the community. I love this community. And yeah. I hope this is only just the start. We do much bigger How things. much we've grown in that community presence-wise in the past year and a half is just mind-blowing to me. So, thank you to all of our listeners and all of our Twitter fans out there who, like, like us. Like, I don't know why. We suck. So yeah, <laughs> you suck. No, no. I mean, we. I, I think we, it helps that we're lifelong friends, so we do bring a, a bit of a chemistry to the table. So it feels like I've heard this multiple times from people. It feels like they're just hanging out, talking baseball with us. Um, and we're gonna keep that same energy. We're gonna keep doing that. Keep we that energy, boss. Pod. Um, we don't know when we're gonna do another pod because we don't know when there's gonna be MLB news. But we'll stay active on Twitter. We'll stay active out there doing things. I don't know. But uh, thank you to everybody to who has become fans of ours, who's joined the tailgate. That's right. I'm always room at the tailgate. And uh, you got you got to give me the sign off, man. I can't do it without you. I'm getting to it. I'm taking a sip of my beer. Right. Last but not least, Julio. The last Let's one of the go, Oakland. Have a safe and happy New Year's. Well, you can be a little reckless. Call an Uber in a fun in a fun way. Call an Uber.
Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.